Hello to all of my friends at Survivor.com. It's me, Mario. <laughs> you guys, number one. It's the Friendly Fire Show, episode 171 for the midpoint of May 2021. I am one of your hosts, Steve from Survivor. I'm Ben from Survivor, and we're back with games having been played. Yes, kind of. Yes, Mm. like not even kind of. I don't know why I said kind of. It's been a week, Ben. I'm very tired. (laughs) How are you feeling and doing Uh, and being? Well, I'm all good. So I haven't been playing anything for review. I haven't been smashing out anything. Uh, I've been playing one of the new releases this week at very leisurely pace. I've barely played any at all. You've probably finished it about eight times by now. Uh, three, six, seven, eight, at least eight times. Yes. Ooh. Yeah. Eight for number eight. Ooh, but it's not eight. It's Village. We might as well just get straight into it. Uh, you've you've been playing Resident Evil Village and I've mm. played a lot more of it from the sound of it. But um, what do you think of it? To, and this is spoiler free. I think eventually you and I will talk spoilers. What I want to also do is it's hard to line up. I've got a friend named Jeremy Pryor who I met online when um, Resident Evil 7 was first announced at E3. And that's the year that I wasn't there. I was at home. And that's also the year that like the demo was released like instantaneously at the announcement. So I got to like download it and jump on it as opposed to like all the video game journalists who were out um, at E3. So I got to like play it, record it, talk about it. And Jeremy is, um, he works in video games. He is also just like a diehard Resident Evil fan. So we became fast friends because we were like, just like brute forcing the demo, trying to like learn all the stuff we could can and like figure out all the puzzles and stuff. He's the best so i want to get him on i also want to get uh alex aniel who is uh the writer of itchy tasty uh a history of resident evil who is cvx freak who's written stuff for survivor he was on one of the podcast recordings he's like the best um so they're like super diehard fans so am i um i feel like and i don't know if this is the case they will be more favorable of village than i will be when we talk about like full-blown spoilers and connections to the the overarching uh lore etc um and that's my thought did mm, i did, uh, was that a coherent final finished thought or did i just trail off into blabbering well you did your usual trail off but i get what you're saying i think that'll be a lot more comprehensive than what we can talk about now going no spoilers i have not even close to finishing and i've played maybe two hours uh now it's following resident resident evil 7 but that's not my most recent game. Since seven, I played two and three, Correct. the remakes, yeah. for the first time. I'd never played those, so now I played all the main series games. I never, pl- I couldn't get into. I think we talked about this at the time. I could not get into Resident Evil two and three because they were so outdated at the time. Because I got into Resident Evil with four, and so then yeah. going back to like because you're week, young, not that young, Steve. I've got well, you're two young, days you're, left well, of being in my twenties. So neither of I are that young, but. <laughs> At the time of release, you you were younger than I. Anyway, yes, sorry. So you, you started with four, yeah, yeah, yeah. like probably most people in today's people day and age. Did. Yeah, yeah. Right. Uh, so that's still my preferred Resident Evil style. I don't, I'm 
I did like seven. I'm not sold on the first person. Uh, there's been so many memes about how Ethan Winter's hands just get mangled constantly, and that's basically all this game is. So uh, we can't spoil anything there. Basically, anything that you could think could happen to a hand happens in this game in a bad way, in like a horror movie way, in a dismembering, getting hacked up type of way. Everything possible happens here. Uh, and then he just pours some water on, and it's fine. So randomly, he's married. So... The wedding finger on his left hand just miraculously is devoid of any problems because the wedding finger needs to stay on to remind you that he's married. And that's like the entire crux of his struggle. Like he has this child and he has to save his child. It's very much in the same vein of saving the president's daughter, though. In this uh, instance, you are directly related to the young female, Hmm. useless, can't look after themselves person. So, yeah, so. Spoiler free, there are four lords. How many lords have you met directly? Because I guess there's a cutscene where you kind of like see all of them, but you don't know who they are. Are you still well, at Castle Dimitrescu? Yes, I'm still in there. Um, it's it's because it's like no more daylight savings. It's dark at nighttime. I can only play for like 20 minutes a night. It's, uh, I think it's quite, they've dialed it back from seven, this, the jump scares, but it's it's still kind of a freaky game because constantly, uh, yeah, they they they're keeping you on edge. And I don't know. I, I suppose two and three both had that you're being followed, and at any moment, boom, if something can happen to you, dialed way back for Nemesis in three. Um, but they've definitely kept an element of that here, and I was kind of hoping that wouldn't be here because, like, I've just had two games of that. It's like uh, another uh, big giant creatures chasing me down this the hallway. Might- make it easier for you and this i don't mm. feel like this is a spoiler um af- after castle dimitrescu that because i get really anxious about that in video games as well i don't even like playing sonic to be honest when like tails is following me i just don't like being followed um after well, it's castle dimitrescu like, it stops yeah like so okay. you don't have that like ever present sense of like oh well that's good because there's a there's a puzzle which i'm not that far from where you have to find like four statue heads uh the puzzles are really good um and every time you find one you know you're being followed in like the way that you need to go you can't go so you've got to go a different way or you just get your hands hacked up again uh and it's like the first time i was like okay i should have seen that coming the second time i was like again really and the third time just like yeah come on um, so I'm not keen on that mechanic just because we've had two games where that's the main thing. And I was like, you know, going to first person is meant to be, this is a different type of Resident Evil. And, and that main hook is very similar to that. So I'm glad it's going away soon. And the weird thing about this game is that it's so Luke wrote a review, which I completely 100% agree with. We gave it a 6.5 and a 6.5 on our scale is like, it's all right. It's missing a couple things. Um, but if you're like a fan of the franchise or a fan of the genre, you're going to love it. And that's like the case. Like Luke was like, eh, and everything he said, I completely agree with. The mm. The story is batshit stupid. The characters are two dimensional, if not one dimensional and just like stupid. But like there are all these amazing set pieces and game design mechanics and puzzles that like are amazing, but they don't make sense kind of like as a coherent whole and if i'm being honest i love resident evil that's resident evil 4 to an extent like it's it's amazing the gameplay is excellent the story goes insanely stupid there's like a little dude in a castle for no reason you go to an island and then there's like army people like what's going on aid is there and like wesker's like it's 
as a game, just playing in the moment, it's really, really good. When you think about it as, as a whole, it starts to like, just there are giant holes. And if you're a Resident Evil player, you'll sort of kind of see where the design falters and just kind of get to where they want you to be. Whereas if you're not traditionally a Resident Evil fan, you might do what Luke did and just like get stuck in a place for two hours because you were doing what you were supposed to do, but you weren't actually Hmm. supposed to survive. You were supposed to just kind of get to a point where like the cutscene kicks in. Um, You need to talk because I left my wine on the like (laughs) banister and the cat's about to knock it over. So you say, I'll turn up the volume and I'll hear you and I'll just come back. Go get it. Uh, I do agree with what Luke said in his review. He pretty much noted that um, it's it's not what you expect. Like he said, he could read the scene before it happened, and he was. I think it was pretty much what you just said. Then he was annoyed that he knew what the game wanted him to do, and it's not what the gameplay gelled with. So there's a bit of a disconnect between the gameplay and the, the story, and it kind of forgets that it's a survival horror game in the fact that the the other resident the, the early resident evil games are very much you need to conserve your resources know when to use them don't waste them here there's some points where you're like am i wasting all of them because i can't win here and i'm meant to get mangled and lose half a hand again uh and then there's the other times where you're like actually this is a thing i can really kill and it's not that clear and i still haven't found out when and i think that's something you can't have in survival horror i think you need to you can have it in horror, but you can't, if you're going to have survival as well, and you're going to have scarce resources, you can't not let the player know when things are already pre-scripted and when they can actually use them to be beneficial. So I think it falls down there, but I do think the puzzles so far have been really good. So um, yeah, it's, it's oh, not, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah. Pros and cons. I think it's got some of it really good. Some of it and Resident Evil's had this problem the whole time. It's, it's tried to evolve beyond survival horror. And since, I think four did, and it did it well. And since then, it went too action heavy, and then it's tried to come back to survival, but it's it's hasn't got it ever again the same way. So, it's just something they've always struggled with. I honestly think that so Resident Evil Seven was written by a I, I don't know the person's name, and I wish I did. It's a it's a Western based writer. He wrote fear like f.e.a.r the like the creepy shooter and like evelyn in resident evil 7 is basically like the the antagonist in fear um seven was not perfect by any stretch especially like near the end when you get onto the boat like Mm. and that's that seems to be a like a failure with resident evil across the entire franchise like as soon as you get kind of to the end game it just kind of goes like ah we don't know what here just we'll throw this at you and we'll figure out how it ends just like uh, big blob at the end that's guaranteed but here's some weird thing in the middle um it seven is is far superior to village as an overall product in my opinion um where five four was great but had some problems five was starting to get too actiony six was everything in the kitchen sink which almost like failed the franchise in the end and i feel bad that i was like so on board with the franchise that i went yes this is the best thing since sliced bread and then looking at it years later i went this is i can't believe i defended this in any way shape or form seven is great the first person transition i think was needed at the time because it was it's very immersive it made you identify not 
Ethan was pretty Ethan's that weird character who like you're supposed to empathize with but really he's just like an empty shell like like the master chief in a halo game like he, he doesn't have a personality you are the personality you fill that that void um, yeah but you still were immersed and in eight I don't know like it, it, it doesn't work it, it's 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 definitely not the same writer I feel like the the Japanese team just kind of like took it on and just went like what's the weirdest stuff we can think of and we'll just kind of make it makes sense um so there's not an overarching narrative that makes sense the ending is is ridiculous and i won't i won't talk about the ending but i'd like to at some point with you it's just like mind-blowingly stupid um well i'm looking forward to getting but there. i still like it and i've still played it eight times so take from that what you will <laughs> i don't think i'll put a lot of people off like as you said resident evil 4 was ridiculous when you looked at the story in isolation but just the setting, the mood at, for the time, the gameplay was all great, and it was it was different to previous Resident Evil, which is also why people like Seven because you know in hindsight maybe it's not as good as we thought at launch, but it was just so different. It was a different way of doing it, um, and then so Village comes along, and it's not really different. It's very similar to Seven with some kind of tones and atmospheres of Four, and you probably see those shortcomings more clearly now because it it doesn't have that. We've done something different, and we've done it well. Uh, a lure that seven had so that's probably why um but people are willing to overlook those things in resident evil for the most part yeah and like the nature of this with, with mercenaries especially which is something that you unlock after you finish the game and just like the the achievements and the way that the challenges are set up it wants you to replay over and over and over and luke's criticism is is valid to begin with but luke's criticism becomes even more apparent as you play a second time or a third time and you know exactly when you can just bypass this thing entirely or like that's not a threat anymore because the scary thing oh sorry there's one more time after castle dimitrescu that something scary chases Ooh. you but like you can uh, it's not that bad um it's more like the it's like also like this is basically resident evil 7 mapped out as resident evil village so like there's a okay. sequence that's like the lucas sequence in village and that's like the, that's the kind of thing chasing you thing um you'll you'll pick it out immediately when it happens um what was i saying about that i had a point and then i got sidetracked oh th that thing that's chasing you in that new sequence like a second or third time kind of like with mr x when you like go into a safe room and you can just see him to stop and be like oh my scripting says no longer move because i cannot follow you there you yeah. you know when that happens almost immediately when you play it a second time so then it no longer yeah, so is effective it loses the yeah 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 so and that's that's a downside but it wants you to play it like multiple multiple times and like the second or third time you're just like oh whatever like i just this will take me 20 minutes to just finish this entire thing that took me like two hours last time because i was going through every nook and cranny and trying to figure it out which is a good and bad i guess i don't know hmm. i can't wait to talk about this more but we will not um ruin we'll, anyone's experience we'll Hopefully return in a, from what i said episode. no i don't think so cool um so something that if we ruin this for you at this point you're you're stupid and i don't even like like have any empathy for you uh mass effect legendary edition we're recording this on thursday night and the embargo goes up thursday at 10 so this is my excuse to not put up the podcast until friday give me the scoop done, on this three games that came out years ago after we're done recording i have to actually go and like finish <laughs> the review um but it is a a remastered version of mass effect one two and three 
uh, which were all Xbox 360 era titles. The first one was literally just Xbox 360, and then it branched out into other platforms. Or was Mass Effect on PC originally? I can't remember. That's bad. Uh, it was definitely so. a, a 360 game. First. Yeah. It was like a Microsoft Game Studios on Mass Effect, and then it Bioware did it with uh, EA and uh, probably became a part of EA at some point between Mass Effect 1 and 2, and obviously did 3. Uh, it's up to 4K on consoles, up to 120 frames on consoles, a little bit higher, obviously, depending on your uh, PC status. Um, but most of the work went into Mass Effect 1 because it's the oldest game. It's kind of the clunkiest game. Um, yeah, so well, a lot of the ref- so. Yeah, and a lot of the refinements from 2 and 3 kind of just like went back into 1. Uh, BioWare is using Unreal Engine 3, which was the original engine, still with the, the Legendary Edition. So it, it's not so much like kind of trying to reinvent the wheel, but just kind of like making it the most current I, I guess like at a at a balancing of cost and effort involved. So, so like Mass Effect, when you play the 360 version, and we've we're gonna put up a video that kind of compares the 360 version on Xbox Series X because I didn't I couldn't be bothered recording on my 360 and changing all the cables compared to like I guess it's technically the Xbox One version. Of legendary edition but also played on xbox series x i don't remember mass effect looking so bad when i replayed it in february like via 360 but like playing legendary edition and then going back to the 360 version of mass effect it's like it's absolutely night and day it's just like muddy and gross on the 360 and it's it looks current on legendary edition mm, well, there's a lot good. of gameplay mechanics that aren't current okay. but that's kind of like how it all works um it's in in the resident evil vein if we're talking about playing like resident evil 4 on 360 or xbox one there's that nasty thing where like you're used to playing video games at this point so like you're running with leon and you're using the left stick to kind of drive him but then you're like using your right thumbstick to to you know like also drive him but that's not possible in resident evil 4 like that that you only have one stick the right stick does nothing and like it's very confusing to your brain because video games have evolved so much since then uh it's not that bad but it's still bad um uh, mm. mass effect one has like a cooldown system for weapons so you'd shoot and there's like a little bar that shows you when you like overheat and then you just can't shoot until that completes itself but i'm in the mindset especially after resident evil village where like you shoot some things you have a, a gap in time you just like mash the reload button so you have enough bullets to be ready for the next thing you need to shoot and the x button on xbox is throw a grenade so i just like wantonly just oh, really just throw grenades and mass effect you because see, i just have so be, muscle memory that shouldn't be allowed you should not let it have like the standard reload standard crouch every game uses those very annoying when a game also makes left bumper run uh, of course, with the Xbox Elite controller, you could always remap everything and put it as a profile, but that's time. Well, A, so it, a is run, which wasn't possible in Mass Effect okay, before now. So this is, a, this is a two and three thing that's now been put back into one. So that like at least, but you, at least you get to sprint and that does change how combat works. But then left stick clicking down, if you're not using paddles, Ben, because I know you use paddles to sprint sometimes. Left click... Is is crouch. 
So I keep like going to run, but also crouching at the same time, just because of like how I'm my brain is wired. So I it, I don't run and I just crouch. So I just I just look stupid. Um, the reload thing comes back into play in Mass Effect two and three. So like it's just you have to get your brain around some of the the controls. It's not as bad as I'm like I guess I'm making it out to be. It's just you have to think about it. Um, and it's it's good. Like I, I I've spent a couple hours on each game trying to get a, a handle of it in the two days lead time before the review comes out. But honestly, I've spent most of my time just playing Mass Effect One because I started playing it and I just immediately got sucked back in. And the characters are so good, and the narrative is so good, and the writing is so good, and the relationships are so good. It's I just I can't just take myself out and and play the other ones. Like I just, I want to already be in this giant three story hundred hour narrative arc um it looks better it's it's you know like 100 bucks it's pretty reasonably priced to get you know that much game time out of it i yeah i could for what it is it maybe could be a little bit cheaper but it's ea so i don't like i don't know that, that i just kind of assume that that's what they're gonna do yeah. i really like it i i can't wait to finish mass effect one i can't wait to roll that character into two and into three um something that i struggled with with three is that the ending was sort of like and they didn't necessarily completely fix it, but they made a lot of no. efforts to try to like please the fan base. And I just didn't have a bar of any of that because I'm like, eh, I believe in the indoctrination theory. You said that that's not true, but that was like a great, a great reading. Like, I'm just like, that's where my Mass Effect three story ends never again. And I only played the DLC back in February of this year. Because I'm like, oh, let me get reacquainted with Mass Effect for when it, it comes out. Some of the DLC, especially Citadel, is so very, very good. And it's not like an after-the-fact addition once you finish the story. It's like woven into the game proper, which is just like a nice middle bit to the story that eventually pads out with the extended cut. So like it's all it's it'll be a better experience if you play it again. It'll be a much better experience if you just play it for the first time. Um if you're That's completely going new for, to it, just be patient. Mm. But see how you go. Like my, my husband started with Mass Effect 2. He skipped Mass Effect because it was too clunky for him. I started with Mass Effect. I loved it. Like Marina Sirtis is in it. She's one of the bad guys in it. Like it's like Star Trek, but without being Star Trek, I it's like right up my alley. I love it. Um, so if you like Mass Effect, you will like this and you will get sucked back in, I think. Yeah. Sorry, Ben. I've just been talking and talking and talking. I assume they're going for people who haven't played Primary because all people like you who are big fans and were fans from the beginning not jumping in uh, halfway through which a lot of people did I think I did I think I played two and then I went back to one but I never really got into it because it was too old because it would have been like 2013 at that time it's just like yeah this sucks uh and then for I'm some old. reason just I just yeah, yeah. I'm old there you go <laughs> sorry uh they're probably going for more new people, but then on the other hand, like these games have all been on Game Pass for ages. Like you could have played them. Well, actually, they have they've been on Game Pass for a few months, but they've been in here play for ages. Uh, plenty of time to play, and they're dirt cheap. And that's that's the only thing with these remasters. You know, I'm glad that they do look better when you compare them. Um, but like when you can get all three original games for like 10 bucks total versus now a hundred for the new remaster, it is it is a hard sell. Well, so one and three are on Game Pass because I was recording the openings to oh, is two uh, not. Well, two is like like just conveniently not working right now. 
So I bought it because I'm like, I just like I've made a recording for one and for three. I'm just going to like whatever. I'll, I'll just pay for it. I'll just get it. It's 30 bucks still on oh, really? Xbox. Yeah. So I spent well, 30 bucks. To rec- sale. I spent 30 bucks to record a five minute like opening clip so I could compare it to the legendary edition. But whatever. That's that's tax. <laughs> we'll we'll get into tax up. later. Because I bought all these when they're on sale. When they went backwards compatible, I bought them all and they were like six bucks each. Well, I had the uh, discs, so I didn't think about it. And, and then I like. I got all the achievements in most of these three games, like then and there. Anyway, I I bet you they put the price up, or they like made sure it wasn't on sale this week, so that they could say, "Oh, it's it's ninety bucks for three old ones, or a hundred for a good one." Uh, yeah. So it, anyway. If you are achievement or trophy hunting, um, the one thing I can say is that the achievement and trophy lists are so much more forgiving of your time than the original set. Like as as the best example. The original Mass Effect, you have six uh, supporting characters like Tali, Garrus, Rex, etc. And in the original games, you had to literally go through the entire game, main quests, most of the side quests, like most of the unexplored planets to get like, I don't, I don't know numbers off the top of my head, but like we'll say 67 of 74 possible missions. And the only way to get the achievements to like finish you know, get the loyalty of, of Tali or Garrus was to finish 60 plus missions out of 70 something with those two characters, then restart the game and play it at least two more times with two other combinations of people to, to, to you know, to get those for like 15 gamer score or something ridiculous. And in the, rema- in the remake, not remake, remaster, uh, it's like finish five missions with each person. So by the time you leave the Citadel, you could get like two of those six achievements straight off the bat and just like have fun playing because mm-hmm. then you can just play through once get most of the achievements and not feel too bad about like missing like maybe a difficulty based one or something and like roll into two and then roll into three which i think is phenomenal like if you had to play through if you had to match the original set you'd be playing this for like 400 hours not 100 hours and while that's like good i guess if you're like a diehard fan that's way too much of a time commitment even in a time when we don't have that many games to play yeah well that's it it's come out at a good time in the sense that if you're ever going to play three massive rpgs like this probably a good time that we don't know when the next big game is coming out really um at least multi-platform so but on the other hand if you already played them it's hard to go back and commit to that much time uh i thought so but once you start man i just like i just i got sucked back in so hard like so hard and like we'll Matt's see. the same. He skipped out. He he skipped past one. But like as soon as he got home, he's like, "You have a podcast, right?" I'm like, "Well, yeah." In like an hour and a half, he's like, "Yeah, I'm playing. I'm playing Mass Effect. I'll see you tomorrow." Like, okay, cool. And he he skipped one because he thought one was too clunky. Two and three are like, for the most part, still modern. Yeah. To the point where like it's it's not as noticeable. And if you don't want to play one, you can just like play the the Genesis comic, which gives you the backstory of one, and also like lets you pick the key points so like you know who did you sacrifice this person or did this happen did you befriend this guy or did you like make an enemy of this and you can do the same thing in three if you want to for some reason skip one and two which makes no sense to buy a legendary edition and play one of the three games but you you still could Mm. do that um so it's good like it's 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 catering to a lot of people depending on how you approach it i think yeah, but it is missing a small amount of DLC, right? Because they lost one, the source code or one something. One DLC called Pinnacle Station. Um, because, yeah, like you said, it was lost. Um, Which I think it probably just puts the spotlight on 
preserving that stuff. I'm sure it's you know not a big it, deal. It wasn't that good, and it's you can still you can still if you really want to play it, you can play it on Xbox 360 back and pat. Yeah, but they but lost it's... it for they lost it on PlayStation and stuff, so they didn't release it on this because it would be like the same kind of thing, like an incomplete. We have the code here, but we don't have the code. Here. I don't I don't know why they couldn't. I guess they just, it was a cost thing. Like they didn't want to have to recreate it for other yeah. platforms because it would defeat the purpose of making all this money on this cash in, which like it is, I guess, really. And it's it's to show you that Mass Effect is a thing and to get you hyped for like the continuation of this trilogy or whatever is going to happen in that kind of announced Mass Effect game, which we know nothing about. Um, I would I would posit that if you really, really liked playing through the Legendary Edition, once you get through it, go back and play Andromeda if you haven't, especially because despite all the shit it got, it is a very, very good game. And I played through it and had no problems. I've recommended it to people over the pandemic who've played it. And they're like, yep, yeah, man, it was great. I, I don't know what's happened. Like, it's probably some of the case that, like, you know, the bugs that people were encountering, like in Assassin's Creed Unity, have been kind of fixed in the interim. But mm. I, I, li- I like the story. I like the characters. I like the setting. So if, if, if you love Legendary Edition, Go check out Andromeda. It's pretty cheap, and that'll tide you over until whatever new Mass Effect comes out, whenever it comes out. Years away, I would have thought. Anyway. Yeah, I think so too. What but else? Yeah, I like I like Canadian hmm. studios doing awesome things. And yes, this is just like a remaster of a game. But um, go Bioware, Edmonton. Peace out. Uh, we're gonna try something new, Ben. We're gonna have a break. We're gonna put a mid roll in because this okay. is my industry speak. Yep. And, uh, I'll maybe get the cat out of my face if you're watching on the video. And uh, we'll be back in a sec. Hey everyone, Steve here. Thank you so much for supporting us by listening. We'd like to grow the Friendly Fire show. So if you could, just recommend us to a friend. Go to your podcast platform of choice and review us. Give us a great rating. It'll help us uh, expand the podcast, expand our reach. And that's good for our egos, if nothing else. Thank you. You're already doing most of the work. So uh, let's get back to the show. And we're back. Um, ben, we've played, well, I've played two things. You've played one thing. Let's get into some news. Um, mm. Let's start off with uh, yearly shooter-based wartime things. I'll let you take it away because I'm sick of talking. Well, it's, there's scandals aplenty this year, Steve, on the Call of Duty train because we don't know what's going on. And there's been so many rumors earlier in the year. The, as you may remember, last year was meant to be Sledgehammer Games' year. So we rotate Treyarch, Infinity Ward, Sledgehammer. They were meant to be last year. They were up, they were on the podium, and then got kicked off for uh, Treyarch to come back uh, and bring Black Ops Cold War, which was a very good game. Raven actually made the campaign, and I think they originally made it and pitched it and it wasn't a Call of Duty, and they just made it into one last minute because Sledgehammer were not ready with their Call of Duty. Um it's meant to be a follow-up to 2017. They went back to World War II. Very good game. Supposedly, we're getting a follow-up to that. And then earlier this year, the rumors came back saying they're still not ready, like they're having all sorts of problems. And this might be the first year ever. Well, not the first year, but the first year since 20, 2005, maybe, where there's not a new annual Call of Duty game, which would be a pretty big deal. Um, Activision has been very quick to let their investors know that's not the case. There will be a new game. Um, but rumors persist that there's development problems and we might not get a full new game. So we might get the campaign that they made for World War II. Apparently that works well. It will somehow link into Warzone and then they might just release uh, Call of Duty 
Modern Warfare 2, the original Modern Warfare 2, not the future sequel that will also be called Modern Warfare 2. God, uh, yeah. Multiplayer remastered. So in 2019, they released that, the campaign-only remastered for last-gen platforms, playable backward, forward compatibly, uh, and backwards compatibly, depending you can play it on either platform. Either generation, it's fine. Uh, <laughs> but so campaign-only, there was no multiplayer. They released it for like 30 bucks. The rumor is they're now going to release that multiplayer as this year's COD multiplayer because whatever Sledgehammer is doing is not working. Whether that's true, we'll probably find out soon. They normally would have announced it now, um, but, you know, it's COVID times, they might be waiting a little bit longer. Uh, and that brings us to Battlefield, which is definitely coming this year, Battlefield 6. I think we'll get that in the E3 time frame, EA Play, EA Live, what do they call their thing? Kind of. So they're announcing it in June, and the day after they kind of made this tease about Battlefield being announced in June, EA said, mm -hmm. EA Play 2021, our live stream is going to be in July. So it's like, oh, like we'll definitely uh, see more of Battlefield in July, but we're going to get a, a, a pre-E3 Play taste of it. In, well, yeah, we must in June. Like Battlefield wouldn't say yeah. words that rhyme with June soon and boom if they're not going to do anything in June. So Yeah, uh, well... It's a it's a big year for them because um, I liked Battlefield One and Five. A lot of hardcore Battlefield people didn't because they thought it simplified it too much. Uh, but I thought it was a lot more accessible than some of the really old games. I really enjoyed them both. It was a lot more big scale. Uh, COD then tried to copy that recently with their bigger scale with vehicles, and that's garbage. That's Battlefield's thing. That's what it does well. Um, and I liked where one was really slow. So like it it took time. So that's a slow down to that World War One. Very slow loading pace. Um, five, which was back in World War Two, kind of felt speedier by comparison. I presume they're going to go back to modern warfare here, but don't know. Um, but it's a big year. Like they might not have for the only time ever, not a proper COD to go up against. So like they should dominate. They need to make sure they do a good job. Um, they can't just pander to that original audience and go hardcore again because this is the time to get that COD audience onto Battlefield. So. I think they need to kind of keep it how it was. I think it was a good balance. Uh, and um, yeah, I'm looking forward to see what they do because this is a big chance for DICE. I have so many thoughts. The first is um, this kind of feels like on the Call of Duty side, and I forget which one it is, and you can tell me, like the Call of Duty that came out a couple of years ago that was just multiplayer. Mm. Like, like, ah, we don't have a, we don't have a single player campaign. Uh, we we stuffed it. Yeah, so like same, the same idea, but like kind of flipped Gross. away. Yeah. But, they don't need to worry so much about, and this will come into another news story in a second. They don't have to worry so much about like the next Call of Duty because they are, I would believe, so reliant upon Warzone, which is the free-to-play version of Call of Duty, just kind of like sucking up all of the air in the room. So like yeah. Activision, Treyarch, Infinity Ward, whoever, like whichever Sledgehammer, it doesn't matter so much because of how they've positioned Call of Duty. Whereas Battlefield needs to do something and probably needs to do something free to play mm, but then they can well, like it, it, it how do you it, yeah it's like there's so many thoughts here like and we'll get into they, like ubisoft's take on it too which which kind of factors in but if, if battlefield goes free to play then they their direct competitor is basically apex which is also ea like so it's that i can see why they haven't done that because EA, they have EA to go... has no problem putting battlefield up against titanfall <laughs> and usually titanfall gets slaughtered no, unfortunately but they were happy to, they were happy to slaughter titanfall i don't think they want to slaughter battlefield like apex would win as a free-to-play shooter it's already dominating 
Yeah. Uh, unless they do a Good different point. style. Good point. They do a free-to-play shooter, which is not a battle royale, which would go against the trend. Maybe there is something there. You can do something else. I have to wait and see. Uh, but yeah, you're right. Activision isn't as reliant on it, but it sounds like they might be just kind of like, yeah, here's like a, you bought a half a remaster two years ago. Here's the other half with a new campaign. 120 bucks, please. Uh, they probably would try that. Well, and yeah, I don't, I, I don't know. I, like, I'm, I'm excited about Battlefield. I really like a Battlefield. I, I like the single player campaign probably more than a Call of Duty. I think I actually like the multiplayer more than a Call of Duty too. Like, it, it's a very different mindset, but like, they usually come out at the same time. So it's like, do you want the kind of like mm. more slow, calculated war game, or do you want like the the fast time to kill, blah 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 blah, like Call of Duty has? And it's it's really kind of like just pick one because you only have enough time to get good at one or the other. Um, so it'll maybe just be nice for us consumers if we don't have to have that that challenge this year, which mm. is good. Now, what's um, Ubisoft doing? You mentioned them. Well, yeah, something that might try to drain your time is that Ubisoft is making a priority to free-to-play titles as opposed to, like, the AAA blockbuster games. Um, and as a really good example of this, they recently announced the Division Heartland, which is a free-to-play game coming to, like, all the major platforms, which is a spinoff of The Division and The Division 2, but it's... One of these games where you don't have to play or pay to start, but obviously there will be pay paywalls or like some sort of microtransaction system that will encourage you to like spend up so you can get the most out of your enjoyment. Um, because as we've seen from like recent financial reports from like EA, I think I, I can't remember the numbers off the top of my head, but they made like a fraction of their revenue from game sales and made a majority of their revenue from things like FIFA, uh, Ultimate Team, and then like correspondingly Madden Ultimate Team and hockey, NHL Ultimate Team and Apex Legends, where you don't have to pay to, to get in, but you have to pay to unlock characters or whatever else. So um, Ubisoft has said that they're not dropping things like uh, Rainbow Six Parasite, which was Rainbow Six Quarantine, which might be Rainbow Six something else or like Far Cry 6. Um, but like personally, it's terrifying because it just feels like the the mobile kind of mindset of like, we'll get you hooked and then we'll just try to nickel and dime you is like kind of yeah. becoming the prevalent way of how this industry thinks it can behave. And I, I can't imagine that there won't be regulation. Well, when it's happened, like, you happened. Know, a lot of European countries ban loot boxes with games. Uh, it's that crippled a lot of EA games last generation or one before potentially when it was just constantly that microtransaction crammed down your throat. And it was probably the reviewers constantly bringing it up being like, this game is ruined by microtransactions. Like a lot of people say price or whatever shouldn't come into a game review. I just it agree. I, I don't think it should be a major factor, but it certainly should be a component because uh, like things like that, you know, the reviewers ignore it. But if, if it's a huge part of the game, and what they're trying to do and how they're trying to make their money, it, it impacts it. Well, I'm relatively like, certain I didn't really think yeah. price counted in like years, like 10 years ago, probably, Ben. Mm. I'm old, you're getting old. You're not as old, but you're getting there. I think yeah. I think it was you that said to me, well, that's easy for you to say when you're getting a game free and you're like trying to just be like, oh, it's good, I like it. But like if it's like a $120 re-release of a game that used to be like 60 bucks 20 years ago, like why? Why? 
like, oh, that makes absolute perfect sense. Like you're, you're putting your hard earned money into games. And now I guess there's going to be games where you like, do you spend a hundred bucks or 120 or whatever it's going to be at the point of purchase and like mostly own most of the content? Because even some of those games like NBA 2K is like the, the best example of like you, you pay up front and then they also want you to yeah. just continually pay. Or do you not pay anything? And then just like over like each week, maybe drop like five, 10 bucks for years and years and years. And then if you add up the amount of money that you spent on this game, you'd probably like choke and vomit. Like it's yeah concerning. Well, I mean, the value does have a big factor to play when you're buying stuff and what you are willing to spend on something determines what you value kind of getting out of it in the same way that you go spend five grand on a shitty Corolla and that's that's good money well spent. But if it had the price tag of a Tesla and it costs 80 grand, you'd think this is a poorly priced car. So absolutely it matters. Uh, but anyway, we, we're going off topic here. That's probably more to do with Mass Effect than... Well, <laughs> it's, it's all related. It's all, yeah, it's all related. Back on topic, the federal government of Australia has, has announced a new tax offset for um, developers to try to offset the cost of making games to try to encourage more people to make games within the country. Um, and it's it's tied in for a number of reasons, and I can't remember all the numbers, so I've literally just pulled up the story over mm-hmm. in that corner, so I can basically just read it out as I'm talking. Uh, the government will introduce a 30% refundable tax offset for eligible businesses that spend a minimum of half a million dollars on qualifying like development. So yep. one, like you have to be big enough where you could drop half a million dollars to make a game yeah so, so that's that's a hurdle man, not your two-man indie it's a they're going for um well, not really a triple a game that's still way below that but they're going for a, a, a decent sized studio but one of the 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 asterisks on this is that you it they're they're going to crack down on you can't have these type of like gambling-esque loot box style mechanics built into your game because then you're you're kind of like dipping into the tax offset and you're also just like relying upon all this like post game income coming in, which I applaud. Mm. It's like, I don't, I don't, I don't, I'm glad I don't have to worry about figuring out how that works. I applaud the government for doing that. I I don't applaud the government for making this offset like 10, 15 years after it should have. Um, but it, like, it's relatively good news for Australians, I guess. Hopefully it allows more studios to kind of grow and get bigger because it seems like most of the ones in Australia, you get your odd hit like, you know, Hollow Knight and Crossy Road made by small teams. Uh, but we haven't had really bigger studios for like 10 years. So yeah. I don't think we'll ever get back to like, uh, you know, Team Bondi who has 100 staff or whatever it was. But surely we could get smaller teams making decent games. Like- or, or Sledgehammer uh, Melbourne, Australia, which like, you've talked about Sledgehammer's problems. Who knows what that means? Um, it, I'm ex- I'm excited to, to see what happens. Uh, who yeah. knows? It's, it's mandatory to become somewhere which it's generally known for making games. You need to have that tax offset. That's why there are so many Montreal developers. Um, there's a few places in Europe that I can't think of off the top of my head. Same situation. Like there's a reason all these devs pull together in similar places, and it's not because they just love living there. <laughs> Maybe San Francisco because you kind of have to. That's the thing to do there. I don't know yeah. if they've got any tax offsets or not. Uh, but yeah, so you certainly need incentive well really segueing into nothing um 
talking about Australia some more, and I know nothing about this, so this is all yours. The AFL Ooh. Evolution 2 Season Pack 2021 came out, Ben, and I know nothing about this, so it's all yours. Mm. Take it away. But you pretty much explained the whole thing. So uh, there was a new AFL game last year, better than the original one. I actually couldn't remember what I said in my review. I had to reread it to remember if this game was any good or not. Turns out, based on what I said, it is better. It's still riddled with problems. Uh, and basically, because this is made by such a small team and it sells in such a small market, they cannot, I assume, pay for an update. Like, they they need to sell you $15 DLC to update the teams and such. Um, and, you know, I think fair enough. Basically, like, there is some degree of work. They've made some players look more realistic. They've added and one new stadium, some new Guernseys. That's basically it. And the new squads. Um, if you're still playing this game, you would probably pay that. Yeah. I don't know if anyone's still paying it. Uh, the new the, There was one new feature, which is basically like Match Center, where you can go and they've tried to copy FIFA, but they struggle with such a small team. Um, but you can look at the results for the most recent games and then go in and play them, try to change them. Um, oh. And unfortunately for them, this game launched in April last year. So it was just after the season was postponed indefinitely. And it was like, oh, we, we've had this one new game mode and we can't use it because there's like no games potentially forever. Um, so when I reviewed it, I didn't even try it because it didn't exist. I have now tried that. It does work, which is exactly what you think it would be, but good on them. But they now there's a lot of Collingwood fans who are like desperately hitting up that uh, mode to try to change real life. Is, is that what you're saying? Yeah, it's basically. Yeah. And, you know, North Melbourne fans, I think they have won <laughs> one game in the past 20 or something. So you can go change that in this game. Can you wear uh, the, uh, the the Port Melbourne? Nope, Port Adelaide prison barger Guernsey. No, you cannot, but they oh, well, should definitely go. add that in. Ten dollar DLC with just an angry look at Eddie Maguire in the background. That'd sell a oh, truckload. Good. Um, the the last news thing I want to talk about before we get into this episode in delays, because that's still a thing, um, is some new. There's a ton of news coming out of the um, Apple versus. Epic Games, Google versus Epic Games lawsuits going on. Um, but something I thought was the most interesting is that Sony is is basically charging developers f- to enable crossplay in cer- certain circumstances. So mm. in light of all this uh, legal stuff going on, uh, The Verge grabbed um, some internal release documents that say that Sony will charge uh, developers like Epic Games, as an example, um, a fee to offset the reduction in revenue, those were quotes, um, if the amount that the PlayStation Network makes divided by the PlayStation 4 gameplay share for a game is less than 85% for that month. So basically, like if you buy a game on Xbox and you play on PlayStation, no, how does this work? Oh, God. Play with PlayStation. Yeah, there you go. So if more, more people buy it on Xbox or PC or something, and but are cross-playing with PS4 and Sony doesn't like the percentage, they will charge you like an offset amount to kind of like make up for the fact that someone is playing with a PlayStation person, but they didn't play on PlayStation themselves. We can see is- why it took so long for cross-play to become a thing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think what we've learned mostly from this whole trial is a lot of massive deals or things being floated are just off the cuff in an email, basically. It's just kind of like, good day, Phil. G'day, mate. Uh, We want some uh, money. How about cross-play? Like, that's it. Like, it's it's minor. Like, one email from Tim Cook, like, 
got massively around Twitter was him basically saying, is this the guy that was like our keynote last year? Like, who is this guy? It's like, and this is how business, I'm sure most people relate to these type of emails in their own jobs, but this is still how it's done at like the executive tech level. It's yep. just some emails being forwarded basically. And that's how these decisions get made. So, And like, like paraphrasing a lot, it's like, we, we make enough money that we don't want to do this. Like, why would we? And Epic's like, we'll pay you to do it. And Sony's like, oh, I guess we can make that work, essentially. Hmm, how do we think about this? And Sony, like, if, if we're looking back at, at how crossplay was implemented last generation, it was like Sony being dragged, like, kicking and screaming into it. Whereas, like, people like Microsoft, as an example, who obviously don't have the market share, who aren't in that position of power to be like, we control the world, were like, yeah, 100%, we'll do it. Like, like anything to get people kind of coming to us. So, like, it's not unexpected. Yeah. It's sad, um, but it's it's interesting to see all the stuff coming out of these legal proceedings where it's basically just a whole bunch of like mega corporations who don't need any more money trying to get a little bit more money and also trying to like make you as the general everyday person think that they're like looking out for the, the little guy where like everybody's just out for making as much money as they possibly can. And like, that's how yeah. Epic started this all. They, they wanted more of a cut of their own Fortnite in-game purchases than they'd give to Apple or to Google or to whoever else. So it's like, I don't know, like whoever wins, we all still lose. Well, one of their, one of their pictures was to Sony you know, we'll make it win-win. We'll make you look good. We'll come out on your stage at E3 and be like, you're doing this to help everyone. And they were still like, nah, uh, we don't want to do that. We, we have like, the market share of consoles. We don't, we don't care. We don't, yeah. we don't need to. The experience is best on PlayStation or something, whatever that line was right, right before they decided to opt into crossplay. Um, this week in episodes, this week in episodes? No, this episode in delays then... That what was are we a missing? sentence. Uh, Fall Guys on Xbox and Switch has been delayed. The good news is crossplay is basically enabled like as of right now. Uh, if you're on PC or PS4 or on PS5, of course, um, you can crossplay. You can't like do voice comms or anything yet, um, but that's going to no. eventually be sorted out. That so that's one me. of the delays. The second delay is... Um, unexpected it's ubisoft's skull and bones which i first saw in 2017 ben yes i think i played it in 2017 or if not like 2018 or 2019 i think I it was announced at like 16 it's just like a trailer maybe you played it in 17 shane had a hands-on and i had a hands-on and it's been a number of years since anyway uh that's now scheduled for a 2022 or 2023 release date so well i didn't even know it had a, a date i thought this was a you know in the graveyard it's actually never going to be released situation so at least it's still going the rumor is that it was completely retooled um mm -hmm. it was originally announced i think for 2019 and it's just been like okay. bumped up you see, at least this segment is going to slowly go away because we now have like basically no release dates for any game, so it can't be delayed unless like things like Battlefield Two is coming this year gets delayed to next year. Unless we yeah. get that level of delay, uh, and that's yeah. why like if there isn't a Call of Duty this year, like I think we've I think we've seen like even in like my my best example is um, Control's Alan Wake DLC, like. I feel like that game would have been that DLC would have been so much better if Remedy would have been in a a studio 
making like a, a an Alan Wake expansion in control to set up this connected universe. And instead they kind of had to do it from home. So they kind of reused this and that and the other and cut a corner here and cut a corner there, but they got it out. So it's like, do you, do you want something good or do you want something now? So if things are delayed, I, I, I hope that we all kind of understand that at this point, it still sucks. Yeah. But that's what it is. Yeah. That's why we have no more release dates. Prepare for more remasters, re-releases, and the occasional remake, I would say. Uh, that's just that's how things are going to be for a while. I hope you like playing legendary editions of many games. I fully expect that to be the case at E3 this year. E3 Legendary Edition. Resident Evil Village Legendary Edition coming December 2021 with mm. extra tall vampire ladies. Four of them stalk you. Because why not have one when you can have four? Just always in your face. Not that you know what your face looks like because it's first person. Anyway, it looks like your face. That's the whole point. Hmm. Ben, how do we find you on the internet? I am Ben underscore Salter on Twitter. And you, as you go to guzzle some wine. Sorry. um, That's right. (laughs) AU on the internet. It's Deviver. If you like this podcast, I think I said it in the mid-roll, if I did the mid-roll properly. Um, tell a friend, subscribe on like a million platforms, give us a rating on whatever you rate things, whatever. Like mm. we'll still do it anyway. It's, I just like I, I just like having fun talking with Ben in in virtual time. And I'm yes. so excited that Ben, next weekend, I will actually get to see you because yeah. as I like to point out, you are old and you're turning 30, and I will be in Adelaide unless something catastrophic happens well be in adelaide i'm half vaccinated so whatever i'll just like cough on people what are you gonna do to me Um, it'll be like old times you're not vaccinated i won't cough on you i'll cough on your friends that i don't like you just point them out just uh, like i'll target them i guess i'm not the person to cough because i'm half vaccinated but i'll get randoms to cough on people that you don't like i'll figure it out all right so we'll be back in two weeks we're about to discuss seeing each other in real life which is very rare these days the first uh, time will... in what, like a year and a half? Yes. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. Uh, and we will have played nothing new. No, we will have played Assassin's Creed Valhalla's DLC. That yeah. is out today. As of listening to this, it was out yesterday. Uh, and I think that's it. Nothing else comes out in the next two weeks. I may or may not have played an RPG with like an animal that I'm not going to oh, name. Yeah specifically you know because i can't remember when the embargo is I but i'm not playing that forgot. if the embargo hasn't come up yet i completely forgot that was a thing okay there's that uh good and that that's gonna be it and clank won't be up by then that's all that is on my radar we're commander shepherd and this is our favorite podcast on the citadel <laughs>